Hey, this is Jake Thompson from Compete Every Day. And if you want to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy, you should be listening to Stories That Sell with my man, Scott Ramage. You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. Hey, everybody, before we dive into this episode, imagine having a team of virtual professionals helping you get massive amounts of work done from editing videos, creating social media content, managing your social accounts, nurturing leads, processing payments, and so much more. Media Machine is here to make sure your productivity skyrockets while performing tasks and roles you simply don't want to do or simply don't have the time or skills to do. The Media Machine offers a wide range of services that will help you run your business and save money. Check out their website at www.mediamachine.net and book an appointment to find out more. And without further ado, welcome to the show, Jake. How are you doing? Hey, great. Thanks for having me, Scott. Yeah, this isn't our first time, uh, our first rodeo together. So I'm really pumped to kind of catch up and uh, see how you're going. Let's just do a real quick uh, rundown. Tell everybody who's listening who you are and what you do. Yeah, so my name is Jake Thompson. I'm the chief encouragement officer, as I like to say, at Compete Every Day. Uh, best way to describe us, we are a training and development company that love to work with ambitious people and really help equip them from a mindset standpoint and from a skills and tools standpoint to be successful. We started as an apparel company back in 2011 and, and over the last decade have morphed into what best fits my skill sets, as well as the most effective way to get those messages and training across to people. So now we have a pretty diverse brand between the apparel, my speaking engagements and books, but it all goes back to helping the people who want to show up and compete to win, uh, find ways to do that. That's awesome. Uh that leads me directly into the big question I have for you. And you kind of answered it, but um, one of the premises of this, this episode or this uh, podcast is that you share your story. And I first kind of caught a hold of you, man, it might've been eight, nine years ago. I don't know how long you've been doing this, but it's been at least that long. And it was about shirts. It's all about yeah. shirts. And you were doing, you were doing your rounds going to, um, going to CrossFit events and sporting events, and you'd have your little booth with a few shirts hanging. So this is a huge evolution and I cannot wait to hear the story. So I'd love for you to just basically start where you want to start and let this unfold for the audience. Yeah, we really started. It was the message was first and foremost, uh, came up with the concept of competing every day back in 2010. It, not a new concept. We know competition. We know life. You know, there's always competition. But for me, it was a new spin on it because I was challenging myself with the idea of personally, what would it look like if I took the competitive attitude I had in sports and tried to apply it in other areas of life? What would it look like from a relational standpoint? What would it look like career-wise, fitness-wise? And I started talking to people about this idea 
and that I didn't know what I wanted to do with it, but I had this brand idea of competing and competing every day. And what could that look like? And how, honestly, how would that change our lives or how we show up and spent about six to eight months tinkering projects until May of 2011 or around that time, my best friend recommended a t-shirts. He said, there's a company out of Boston called life is good. If you're listening and familiar with those guys, it's a little stick figure, ironically nicknamed Jake. And so I had had money set aside for shirts and tanks, decided to put it into a few boxes of t-shirts and said, what the heck, let's figure this out. And that's really how it started. I was selling them out of the trunk of my car as a side hustle behind a CrossFit gym in North Dallas. And really it was shirts and apparel for the next five to six years predominantly was the focus. We splintered off. We had, I had ideas. Uh, I had itches to chase in, in other areas. And so we would split off like a funny line around donuts and, and whiskey, which are two passions of mine <laughs> that didn't fit the compete brand, but we saw opportunities. And, and so we tried a, a number of different things along the way to supplement apparel because apparel, for those listening that are in the physical good space, you, you know how much cash is drained in physical products and inventory. And I knew ultimately wasn't necessarily all I wanted to do. The message was what was most important to me. How could we get people to show up and compete? And we really made the mistake early on of trying to appeal to everyone because in our head, everyone can compete. Everyone has something they're competing for. Everyone has something they're striving for. And really what I started learning over the 10 years in business is that everyone wants to win. Everyone wants the reward. They want the prize. But not everybody really has something they're competing for. Not everyone's willing to do the work for something. And we started to really define that better. Um, I would say even the last four years, much better than the first six to seven, because we very much identified who we are now. And once we saw, okay, this is the person we're going after. This is the individual that is a leader, that wants to be a leader. They have goals. Maybe they struggle believing that they need more motivation. Maybe they struggle because no one that they know is like them going after stuff and, and understands what they're doing. Maybe they just feel like they're meant for more and don't know where to start. And so once we really clearly identified those people, the ones that were willing to do work, then we started asking, what's the best way to serve and support them? And it was a lot of brainstorming. Uh, we looked at rebranding completely in 2015, 16, because up until then, we'd done e-commerce and heavy events, like we talked about, CrossFit events, race marathons, expos, setting up on Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, working the weekends. And I knew I wasn't going to do that the rest of my life. I knew that wasn't going to be where we were going. But at the time, that's what we did. But I knew long-term, we've got to get out of here. And so I started setting planners for 2017, 2018, we're getting out of events. We're going to go heavy a couple of years. We're going to invest heavily, and then we're going to get out entirely of that space to focus elsewhere. So around that same time, my team's heavily pushing me that we're doing a lot of the same things other brands are doing in terms of our t-shirts. We have great designs. We had you know quality print. We've got an incredible production partner. We're doing a lot of those things. So what separates us is the message. Mm -hmm. It's the idea that we're not really for everyone. And so how do we tell that message better? Well, my team was essentially, you need to go do more of that. And I started toying with it. I, I toyed with the idea of a book. I'd outline and sketch stuff over the years. But I went to a conference in San Diego and I saw a guy named Michael Port. Michael runs a phenomenal training company uh, out of Philadelphia area called Heroic Public Speaking. 
he, I learned about him in grad school because he built an incredibly successful consulting business they licensed out. But his background is acting, of all things. He's an actor. He was in Sex and the City, Pelican Brief, like a lot of different things in the 90s. And Michael teaches speakers how to come at their work the same way a pro athlete would, the same way an actor would. Writing the script, table reading, content creation, rehearsing, blocking, everything that for those of us that have sat through presentations and keynotes before where somebody's reading a PowerPoint slide or just standing behind a, a podium, you know how painful those experiences can be. And, and so Michael's on a mission with his team to, to save the world one speech at a time. And I saw Michael do a master class. And it was one of the most fascinating things I'd seen in an hour because it was like watching an incredible coach work with an athlete and just change something that instantly changed their game. And I said, well, I don't know if the speaking thing is what I want, but like, if I am, this is the guy I'm going to train with. Like I just earmarked it. Saw an opportunity to go to his conference later that year to learn a little bit more. Went to it as, as I'm getting ready to board my flight, I get an email from a, a longtime customer at Compete that says, hey, we want you to come keynote our conference next spring. Wow. And I'm like, man, what timing? What, what great timing? So I go to this conference and I'm sitting at a table the first morning. I am downing as much coffee as I can because I took a red eye to get there. I have zero sleep. And as I look around this small table, there's a New York Times bestseller. There's another pretty well-known online personality at the table and they are taking notes fast and furiously. And it's the note that like, if you see great people or individuals, excuse me, that are great at their craft, paying attention and learning like that individual, you know, this is not a scam. This person knows what they're doing. So at that point I said, okay, there's something here. So I invested in their program, started training in 2016 and 17 with this group and really jumped full-time into 2018 of saying, how do we go from an apparel e-commerce company to a training and development company? What does that look like? And, and honestly, I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like, but I know what we want to do is create multiple channels, products, and opportunities to help people adjust their mindset, because we know if we can help you adjust your mindset, even 1%, it's going to adjust the outcome and the results you're able to create. So Today, we still have the apparel. It's a big piece of our business to reinforce the messages that we promote on social that, that I teach from stage. Uh, I work with companies of all sizes, to be honest with you, on workshops, keynotes, sales trainings, uh, that kind of department, really mental performance side. How do we show up and get better every day? I have a book that came out last year, and then we do a podcast as well. So we really span from just apparel. And there's not really another group out there that's kind of done it the same way. There's others that have similar channels. And so a lot of this has been trial and error and testing stuff and seeing, okay, they do this really well. Can we do that? Is that a fit for our audience? Let's try it. Okay, that sucks. Don't do that. Let's try this. So it's been a lot of that. And that's been a great benefit for me. One, reinforcing what I talk about all the time, but two, just allowing me to look at life more as a science experiment versus... I'm a success or I'm a failure because a scientist doesn't look at their, they look at a hypothesis. I think this may work. They test it. If it doesn't work, they make notes. Okay. This didn't work. Here's why it didn't work. Let's try something different. And it frees me to be able to take those gambles and, and try different things. And so we've got stuff coming that's along those same lines that I have no idea if they're going to work. I think they will because they serve that audience the way we believe they do, but we just find out. So that's kind of the snapshot and, and really the slow evolution. It wasn't overnight, didn't have a clue what I was doing, had no platform when I started. Like I said, I was just a kid selling 
uh, literally the first CrossFit event I went to, I was selling shirts out of a duffel bag because I couldn't afford a booth. Nobody knew who I was. Uh, but you just get out there and try to figure it out. And, and, you know, years one through four, we had some okay designs. I cringe a lot looking at the copy <laughs> and messaging as you should, any business owner should cringe in, in year 10 at what year one through five. And I've just been committed to constantly refining and not being afraid to say, okay, I was wrong there. How can I get better at it? How can I hire somebody who's better at it and just go and go? Yeah, that's, man, it's such a cool story and, and something that resonates with me. And you can speak to this if you want, but um, the, the mindset that what you start with isn't what you necessarily will finish with. And I think this is really good for entrepreneurs and business builders, business owners, uh, anybody who's building something or feels like, they're stuck or maybe falling out of love with the process. I like to take the view of this business that I'm building right now. I'm super passionate about it. I have a lot of drive for it, but if I do it right, it will be a business that then fuels all the other things that come along with my own evolution. Like, and I see this, this t-shirt company and the fact that it's still generating revenue and it's still sending out the message and it's almost like it's a, it's a machine. I love the word machine. It's a machine in the background. Like just, am I right? Is it basically fueling all these other things you're trying to where you kind of get to the next evolution? Hey, before we get started, imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. VAs for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. You know, it's interesting. The speaking feels a lot too, because there's a little more margin there because uh, <laughs> yeah. of the time and, and knowledge investment. But really, I, I've told people this, I could have gone only apparel, only care about selling t-shirts, would have done business differently, probably would have a lot higher revenue numbers. Mm -hmm. But when I started, the goal wasn't selling t-shirts. The goal was, here's a message. How can I use it to influence people? And what you just said right there is, there's a couple ways that I even think from an employee standpoint, employees can look at their roles, especially if they don't love their work. Because a lot of times people hear us talk about the passion and, and I'm super passionate about what I do. And I know for a lot of people, like they're not going to find some of that passion and work looking at their role, but the role allows them to do the travel, to spend time with their kids, to, to do the things that do fuel them. And so that's a hundred percent. Okay. I hate going to the gym and working out some days, I hate deadlifts, hate burpees, but I go in and do the things that suck because I know it's preparing me to be better in other parts of my life and, and it fuels the other parts of my life. So that that's a hundred percent. Okay. The other thing that always came back to with businesses, especially that I've learned is who are you? What do you, what are you here to do? So for us, we're here to equip, equip and encourage and empower ambitious people to go win with the tools and the mindset to go win. That is the core. There's a number of different ways we can skin that cat. Like there's a number of different ways we can do that. Then you look at a company like Kodak. Kodak, for the most part, believed we're the camera company. Right. 
that's what ultimately led to their downfall versus saying, we're the company that helps people share memories, which if that's the mentality, then they would have been the ones that would have created Instagram or bought Instagram. Like that would have been where they were focused is we help people create and share memories versus we just make cameras. And a lot of us are talking about our businesses on a daily basis that we just make cameras right. versus what problem we actually solve. And when the more we talk about what we do, the, the single product, the more we become stuck to it and mired to it. And we don't think we can do anything different versus if we see ourselves as a solution organization, whether you are a plumber, whether you're selling t-shirts, whether you're running a coaching business, if you see yourself as we help people solve this problem, then you, you become a little more open to ideas of what that's going to be. And, and when the market shifts and things change and you go through down periods, you're still able to identify future opportunities because you say, this is still how we solve that problem. It still fits with our brand. It still fits with what we talk about. And so I think that's a very big distinction for me. That's always been there from day one is the I've modified who we were going after, but I always knew what I was trying to do. I knew what problem I was trying to solve. And if I only believe that, well, I just sell t-shirts, then I probably would have shut the door of opportunity for anything else because I wouldn't, I would have seen it as competing for my attention against t-shirts. So you, you basically made three points that I think need to be, you know, screamed from the mountaintops over and over and over again. And I just want to recount those because I don't want anybody to go away missing these three things. Uh, number one, you you said early in your story, we identified who we are. And I think as a brand, as a company, what is that bigger defining mission? What's the thing that's driving the entire ship? And, um, and I, it, it's and really can cool. I say something on that? Please do. When you identify who you are, you clearly identify who you're not. Mm -hmm. And that's just as important because my mistake the first three to five years in business was staring at other brands who were making apparel and thinking I had to do things just like they did. Not realizing, well, that person is a major influencer with a million people platform. I can't play the same game they have. This is a global company over here with supply chains all over the world. I can't play that game out of the gate either. And when I tried to play those games, I would lose. I would struggle with, well, what am I doing wrong? Where have I messed up? When in reality, like it's a completely different game and race. When you know who you are, you can look at other companies now. And, and there's some incredible t-shirt companies out there that I love to look at and watch. I have no idea what their sales are. I know where some I believe are. Others, I have no clue, but I can look at them earnestly and say, man, they do this really well. Their copy is always on point. Man, their design is good. I wonder what the fulfillment in that process is like. I can learn from them without being mired down and caught up in trying to be exactly like them. And that's a key distinction that I use in speaking. I use in every other asset of life of how do I not compare myself to you, but learn from what you're doing well to apply to what I do, because I know who I am and I know what I talk about. And I know what I do well. and and you're not it, but you do things well I can learn from. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good outlook, especially, you know, for some of the business owners that have a real high competing marketplace where it's not about emulating what someone else is doing. It's about learning from what they're doing and making it your own or making your own out of kind of the same idea or product. We also talked a little bit about um, solving problems. You actually mentioned solving problems. And I personally have found so much drive and purpose and, um, 
and direction when you really focus on I'm here to solve problems because that can pivot in a lot of ways as long as you're still you know running in your vision and your mission direction but the one thing I really want to get to is passion because you 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 hit the nail on the head where you're talking about passion it doesn't have to be actually what you're doing can you expand on that a little bit you actually did but I, I really want to dive into that one a little more yeah it's all about knowing what's fueling your passions and then understanding what it takes to get there. So for instance, I love what I do. My wife, not so much. My wife's in, in uh, escrow. She's phenomenal at her job, but it doesn't light her up. It doesn't make her feel alive. However, what it does is allow her opportunities to for us to travel. It allows us to have a dual income household. It opens the doors to where when she's in the, the crappy weeks, I hate this job. I don't want to do it. I want to quit. She understands I'm doing this to go do the things that fuel me, like go see the world and go volunteer and things like that. And that helps her during those tougher periods because she knows what's fueling her. It's like we talked about, it's like an athlete. No athlete loves to get out of bed every morning and go train or run bleachers in the off season or in the snow, but they do it because they know it. What's, it's what puts them in a position to excel doing what they love. And for us as business owners, especially early on, you're probably wearing every hat. Over the next five to 10 years, you don't need to be wearing every hat. You've got to find your sweet spot. You've got to know what you do well, and you have to hire other people who can do the things that you don't do well or that drain you. But if you're in a role at work right now, and, and maybe you've started a job and it's your side hustle, and your side hustle is your passion, and, and it doesn't fuel you financially, it doesn't support you to where you can leave your day job, that's okay. Because what your day job is doing is providing you the financial security to build this safety net and this passion. And there's a lot of people that build incredible side hustles that they never want it to be full time. They want to enjoy it as a hobby and a side hustle that brings a little bit of extra money, but more than anything, it helps them come alive with that passion and give them an outlet for it. And that's okay. Not every side hustle has to make you a millionaire. It has to be what fuels you and keeps you going. And then you've got the day job for stability. So I think it's just understanding what you're passionate about and then understanding what allows you the opportunity to do that. And if there's an opportunity to do it full-time, awesome. If there's not, understand that that's okay too because as long as you look at the things that you're doing that don't necessarily give you that passionate outburst but that fuel your passion, run with them. Yeah, that's so good. It's so good. And I love the the side hustle or – you know, I talk to a lot of business owners because I have experience and, and a lot of time in the gym industry that started. I love coaching. I love getting people fit. And here I am now running a business for five years and it's, and it's just driving me bonkers. I just want to coach or I got into this. I love coaching. I don't love coaching anymore. And I need to figure out a way to not coach anymore and just run the business. And I think um, that's a really important thing to think about every time you a lot of people will go from that side hustle and make it a career or make that shift that shift. And I love what you say, because it's, it's reframing. Like, I don't have to love this, but it's fueling me. And this other piece is fueling me. Speaking yeah. of you and your wife just did a big trip too. If I remember correctly, we we've had a couple this year. We are, uh, we are taking full advantage of most of the world, not traveling and the <laughs> fact that we don't have kids. And so, yeah, we did, um, we've got two of our best friends live in Oklahoma city. And so 
His 40th was last year. Uh, COVID obviously canceled it. And my wife's 40th was this year, is this year. So we did Greece uh, at the end of May, early June, as soon as they opened back up to U.S. tourism. And then last month, we went to Italy uh, for the wife's 40th. I, I still have a couple of years. I laughed that I'm the baby of the group um, at 38. But yeah, we, we got to do those two trips once in a lifetime experience because nobody's out traveling now. And, and now we're kind of deciding because like everybody else, we have a year and a half's worth of hotel points and airline miles and credit card points that are just sitting. And so we're like, do we want to spend any more while nobody's there uh, and go and just go ahead and mortgage next year's vacations now or, or what? But, you know, it's one of the things life could have played us a different card and where we had kids and we wouldn't have had these opportunities. And, and, you know, as some of your listeners may, you know, have gone through as well, there's struggles with pregnancy that I think anybody these days is most likely dealing with. And so we've decided to take advantage of, of some of this season to go do that stuff. And, and I've been very fortunate that from a speaking side, that industry is still pretty shaken up. Like we have events that have already pushed to next year. I have a lot that are virtual. Um, and then I have, I still have in-person events, but knowing when I have in-person events, we can kind of schedule around that as well. And so we've just, we've been very blessed and fortunate this year to be able to take advantage of, of some of the weirdness of the world uh, and go see some of it while most people still aren't. But I, but I think there's a real lesson in that. By the way, I've been to, uh, sailed the Greek islands with my wife and Italy as well. So you, I was watching your pictures and all of these memories were popping up. I was living vicariously for <laughs> you guys. So um, you didn't post a lot, but what you did, I was paying attention to. Um, but I think there's a huge lesson in, and, and I'm sure this is talked to death, but I really want to hear your perspective because you were in an industry and pushing in an industry where travel was really important. Yet you just got done telling me about all of the good things that were able to come out of it, as well as all the good things that have come out of not having kids yet. Um, so I want to dive a little bit into yeah. more because I, I am a very firm believer in, you know, you I don't know if you've read obstacles the way or yep. kind of that type of mindset of like, okay, this is, this isn't awesome, but how can I use this to propel myself or propel my business or how can I use it to grow? So let's, let's dive into yeah. that a little bit. Cause you obviously have that mindset. Well, and, and it's, so it's funny, a couple of things, like we laugh, like I have friends that are like, you know, they use the line must be nice, must be nice. Cause they have kids. And, and I laugh and I say, well, you probably take home more than I do. I said, knowing, knowing you and what you do, and we've talked that stuff. I said, but you forget that I buy apparel every other day. And so we get to, we're very fortunate that we get to travel on points. Most all of our travel is on points because of, as a business owner, we're always having business expenses. And one of the things to know is how to manage your finances properly, which I did not early on, but you need to know the credit card game. And you need to know the points and you need to have loyalty to stuff because what it allows you as a business owner is the opportunity to collect a lot more points than most people can. Uh, and I say that from experience because we've flown around the world first class two different times over the last seven, eight years. And it's been all on points that have been accumulated through business expenses. So business owners, you need to know that manage your debt well, manage your finances, but you've, you've got to know the credit card game because you probably have stuff that, that you could be doing these things and not paying for trips. Second thing for me is, so 
really started speaking 2018. I say full-time, but there wasn't a full-time income with it. 2019 full-time had enough where I could sustain off of just speaking alone. 2020 by January 31st, I had already doubled my business in speaking for that year. March 13th, I get off of a flight from speaking at an insurance conference in Omaha, Nebraska, and I watched the rest of my book of business disappear for the year. And at first, you're like, well, this is just two weeks. Everything's <laughs> two weeks to flatten the curve. It's just two weeks. Well, then over the next few days, I'm seeing clients reach out. Hey, we've canceled our event. We need you to pay back X. And I'm cutting checks back for thousands and thousands of dollars to clients. And it was a gut punch. And the day I'll never forget was the one that was my largest event. It was a five-city tour. We lost three of the cities. We had to pay back all of that money. And it sucked, like sucked. Business owners, we have those days that suck. And so what I did in that moment is I wrote the checks, I put them in the envelopes, sent them to the clients. And then I said, what are the three things that I'm going to do tomorrow that are in my control? And it was change my mindset. It was focus on new opportunities and it was create one new thing for the store. Went downstairs, poured a glass of mezcal with uh, a little margarita, had a drink with my wife sitting on the couch, watched a movie that night. Just tried to process a lot of the emotions. Next morning though, those were my three objectives. And my three objectives were pretty much more than anything, practice what you preach. I said, okay, so I just lost 30 gigs. Well, that's 60 days I'm suddenly home that I'm not traveling. How can I take advantage of these days? Well, then I probably have how many more hours that I would have been traveling to an airport, sleeping in a hotel, doing all this. How can I want it, spend more time with my family? Two, how can I create more products and content that help people during this trying season that I wouldn't have had the bandwidth or time to do before? And that's what I did. I, I just jumped in. I was able to, we changed the marketing schedule of my book that was supposed to come out in September to like April to get it in people's hands because mail was still running. We created a fundraiser opportunity for people within our uh, competitor nation Facebook community for those that had lost their job in the pandemic because we didn't know stimulus money. We didn't know what was going to happen. So we threw out a, a fundraiser shirt on pre-orders and said, hey, pre-order it, 100% of the funds will be donated. And so then we went through our community and said, Who, who's lost a job? Didn't tell them why, just wanted to find out and then just started PayPaling people. You know, here's wow. some for groceries, here's some for rent, like a little bit here and there. And looked for those opportunities to serve and focus on what's in my control because it, it's so easy for us as business owners because we're wearing so many hats. We have people answering to us. There's so much that's outside of our control on a daily basis. And a lot of times we allow it to paralyze us and keep us in neutral versus saying what's still in my control and what's another way of looking at it. And, and those were the two for me. And, and fortunately, you know, clients pivoted to virtual. I hate, I hate doing zoom uh, presentations. I love podcasts. I hate doing zoom keynotes because it's a whole different energy and interaction. And, and for listeners, if you're watching any of the YouTube, I'm looking at a camera right now, but Scott's down here. So like <laughs> I can glance down and see your face, but I break eye contact with the camera. And when you're doing a keynote and you've got all these people on Zoom, you lose the connection you have in person. But we did it. We did, in, we did virtual toward the end of the year, kind of into Q3, Q4. I, got, I was fortunate. I had some clients that did in person. We did socially distance. We're masked. I'm on stage. So I had the chance to do those. This year's been a lot of the same. Speaking has grown, which it hasn't grown by a ton from last year, but I'm super happy because it's three years in a row of growth in the middle of a pandemic. I'll take, it's not near where I thought we'd be. It's not nearly as many as we thought. 
but we're growing and clients are rebooking. So we've done virtual this year. I've done in-person this year. I told a client I'll go anywhere and everywhere. I don't care. Like if you want it in person, I will be there. Put me on stage, just go. And so it's all about pivoting, but it goes back to the original thing we talked about of solving problems. Yep. And the first two years in business, my speaking is how do we teach people to compete every day? How do we improve our focus and productivity? And I still do some of those talks. I still do my day of focus of a champion, but now what's everybody want to know? How do I control my controllables? How do I build my grit? How do I keep showing up and competing when I don't know one, how far we have to run with this pandemic Two, there's so much out of my control. So the messaging has been even better. And if I've just focused on how do we solve the problem, how can I help you? How can I help your team build the mindset that's going to keep showing up and chipping away and competing when we don't know how long this is going to last? And so that's the key thing that I think has worked well for me is reframing my mindset to look for opportunities with what's in my control and then finding people that need the solution that we offer and just saying, hey, listen, I think I can help. Yeah, it, it, perfect. <laughs> I don't need to add anything to it. That, that is phenomenal. I want to ask a little bit about the book because I've read yeah. it. Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I've listened to your podcast. I enjoy it. Uh, you got to interview John Gordon, I believe, which I did phenomenal. Um, and uh, you, you've just had some really great, great content in there. Uh, what moved you from what moved you into the book? I mean, you, you obviously were working on it pre pandemic. And then all of a sudden there's this, okay, let's do this fast. And yeah. Furious. So the book's a funny story because I've sat on it for years. I've had pieces of content and like anyone, it was, people have talked about this. People have written this. What, who am I to talk about? Don't have a platform, blah, 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 blah. Excuse after excuse after excuse. And I had in 2019, I lost a handful of gigs that the event planner point blank said, we think you're the better fit. We think your message, we think you're the better speaker. However, our CEO wants to hire somebody with a book. And so we're going to go with so-and-so. And I was like, game on. I'll see you next year. Challenging. So I was, I was like, I was so fired up. Yeah. So I sat down uh, because I knew I'd, I'd kind of been down this path before. I mean, for the most part, a keynote is a shortened book. So I've written, I knew my content. I knew my stories. Opening day of baseball season, 2019, put a sticky note on my computer and said, you have till the world series. And every day it was 500 words. And I would post a picture on Instagram. I'd post a picture on Facebook for accountability. We'd just keep focusing on that. And every day chipped away. Got it done relatively quickly at that pace. I, I was pretty surprised, but I wasn't happy with the book. Wasn't good. It was based on a corporate keynote around five traits of being a competitor of grit, gratitude, growth mindset, um, greatness, and then grooming others. So it was kind of clunky, but it was there. Got asked that I took a couple of weeks off and was like, I, I need a fresh set of eyes on this. Got asked to do a summit for the Big Brothers Big Sisters organization here in Dallas. And as I'm thinking through how I'm going to talk to these kids, because I have kids eight, you know, eight to eighteen, and I have adults thirty to sixty. And really, up until then, I had two talks: I had a high school athlete talk, and then I had a corporate talk. And that didn't work for this group. And said, okay, well, what are the seven to eight catchphrases that? Adults would understand, but kids can kind of cling to. And as I wrote them down, I'm looking at like a John Maxwell book and a John Gordon book. And I'm like, crap, this is the book. And so I scrapped about 35, 40,000 words and started over and rewrote it. Finished it, uh, finished it before World Series game one, as promised. Finished it that summer. 
had friends proofread it, made a bunch of edits, reread it, made edits, and then sent it off to our, our hybrid publisher who we had a copy editor and groups like that. So we were already in the works going into 2020 of the book. And it was in the production process. We're in the design process. And when COVID hit, a lot of authors pulled their books out of the production plan because they didn't want to release it, not knowing what was going to happen. And so I get an email from our publisher of, hey, we've had some production speed up. Your books can actually be done early. I was like, get them, get them going. Let's go. And so they showed up on pallets uh, in April and we started pre-orders and, and I signed you know, first couple thousand copies individually to people and we mailed them out. And of course offices are shut. So I'm mailing them from home and staff's mailing them from home. And um, yeah, so we, we just changed the timeline because the timing couldn't have been more perfect to get it in people's hands, especially when they needed that encouragement for that time. And then we got kind of a public release on September 1st with, with Amazon and some bookstores and things like that. And so that was really it. So the, the preface was I'd been sitting on it and I needed it from a speaking career standpoint to get to the level on the way I wanted to be. And so now it's a good system. You know, I'm working on book two. I haven't been as disciplined with book two every day as I have with book one, because book one, I, you know, I had 10 years worth of content. Book two, it's, it's starting a lot of it's fresh over again. So we're working with it, researching a little more writing. But the goal is to get to where we're on a Every 24 months, there's a new one coming out. Um, And and I've got all, I've got at least five to six more outline in terms of title, takeaway, here's some chapter ideas. Uh, Obviously the easy part, now you just have to write it. So uh, yeah, that that was really it. So selfishly, it was a career move. uh, But but since then, it's been a really cool blessing and and really fun to see how people have run with it. And, And similar as you might expect, our business runs very symbiotically. So Years ago, I thought I would sell the apparel business and just focus on speaking and writing. And I decided not to at the time because I wanted our finances in a little bit different position to be able to get them multiple I wanted. And then I started seeing, well, we're getting speaking leads and selling books from people that buy shirts. And I'm getting speaking leads from books and we're selling shirts. Like, why would I get rid of the apparel now? We might want to change how it's managed as a standalone business, but they feed each other so well. And so now it's, it's kind of a, a really cool opportunity because they all feed each off of each other to where an individual can buy a shirt, watch videos, read a book or a company like we see with clients. They'll buy a copy of the book for everybody. They'll bring me in to speak and then we'll do t-shirts for everybody in company color. So it's been kind of cool to see that develop and grow as well. Yeah, it's something I was thinking about while you're expe- uh, explaining that is like when you do a, a speaking gig, or when I've been to, you know, conferences or trainings, or they usually give you or offer you the, the author's book. And I'm like, wow, that is perfect. And then the shirt on top of that for, you know, maybe a company color or something, it is pretty symbiotic. It's, it's pretty interesting because the more I've learned about the speaking industry, you know, for a lot of people, speakers, we have fees, we know what our our minimum fees are and, and where we sit. And there's a lot of companies that, Sometimes they can reach it. There's a lot of companies that they're like, yeah, we got it. But there's a lot, they're like, that's just a little outside of our budget. Awesome. So for most speakers, it's like, well, what's your educational budget? Because then if you can buy 300 copies of a book, well, then I'll take a smaller fee because I'm moving 300 copies of a book. But the apparel is the interesting one for us because we can outfit the whole conference or the whole company, which we've got a client in Florida that I'll see in a few weeks that that's how it started. They bought shirts because they love the phrase for their, their sales team. 
bought a second round, reached out to see if they could get company discount. We get to talking. Then they're like, well, come out and speak. And so now we've done custom shirts. We do books and then I'm coming to speak. So it's been a big setup for me to where you can hit all those different angles that if you can't afford the speaking fee, well, maybe there's other ways we can still work together and make that work. That just creates a really cool experience at that point, which is all we care about our events. Like speakers are great. People want an, they want an experience and they want to learn something they can apply in their business and life. So if we can create a well-compensing experience for you that we're going to teach you how you compete. You're going to get a wristband and shirt to remind you every day when you get back. And then here's a book that's going to give you some additional resources. It really changes that audience member's experience and hopefully makes them a lot more loyal to your event, your, your association than you were prior because you've really equipped them in a new way that most events can't or right. haven't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're living this trial and error and pivot mindset and, and um, functionality you've talked about. And I, I think that's obviously pretty incredible. It's pretty awesome. And I also love how you leveraged, and I'm going to use the word leverage because I think it is, you, you've created opportunity out of the shirts that led to something you weren't expecting and opposite. And I think a lot of companies can learn a lot from just kind of staying on your toes and being ready to shift and adjust as needed without being so rigid. Well, um, but also you've never lost sight of your vision. I mean, I'm sure that's like laser focused. Yeah, I've been distracted by trying other products and projects that didn't fit with that vision. And I learned very quickly, it doesn't align with the end goal. And so we've got to cut it. As painful as it is, whatever it takes to the ego. And a lot of times we only think about leverage with like an influencer starting a brand or a company. And we're like, well, they've already got hundreds of thousands of people. Of course they can leverage that. But for a lot of us, there's things, there's relationships, there's experiences, there's things we can leverage we might just not have opened our eyes to because we're still thinking about, well, I sell widget X instead of I solve problem A. Right. Yeah. And that's a that's a big thing that I've learned. And that's why kind of the, the premise of this podcast is I've learned that your story and really all of the things that you've gone through and, and experiences you had can really actually help you leverage network and move into new areas or build relationships where you never thought that they could occur. Uh, and yeah. that's been really powerful in business. Uh, so you have some really good books behind you. If you're listening to this, you're not going to see them, but uh, he's got some books on the wall. One of them, of course, is yours. And then you've got, uh, I see Grit, I see Atomic Habits, which is like changed my world. Yep. Uh, I can't see some of the others. I see one. I've got uh, Win Forever by Pete Carroll, which plays off his always compete mentality. Awesome. Atomic Habits. Um, it, it takes what it takes. Uh, the late Trevor Mawad. Trevor just passed away last month. One of the head sports psychologists back in the day worked with Russell Wilson, um, mm. Seahawks. He's all about neutral thinking, uh, not productive or not positive, not negative, but neutral. How do we get to neutral? So that's what his book's about. Uh, the one thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papazan that I feel should be essential for every business owner, um, really the one thing, Essentialism and Effortless by Greg McCowan, those two should be as well. Relentless by Tim Grover, of course. Uh, Grit, and then Captain Class, which is a phenomenal leadership book where Sam Walker looks at the greatest dynasties in all of sports history, takes eight to 10, and then diagnoses what makes them so special and it's the captain and it's not always the most talented but he talks about the attributes of these captains 
and how we have the ability to be effective leaders in our organizations by leveraging some of these and how they've worked. And so it's a really fascinating uh, deep dive. And then I have some other ones downstairs because I just changed these out. But yeah, th those are the ones. Uh, and then, yeah, I'll echo Atomic Habits. The one thing like business owners should read those running um, mm -hmm. hands down. And I know you, uh, since you, you know, I'm a huge fan of John Gordon. He yep. is, he, uh, I implemented a gratitude practice, a daily gratitude practice. It's pretty extreme, but I love it. It really actually completely focuses my day. So I know that that's part of your message. Yeah. But gratitude's a, a fascinating thing because it's, it's something I probably overlooked a majority of my life. Um, you know, I grew up in a East Texas, small town, Baptist family, uh, so we all knew about saying grace and saying thanks, but in terms of actual, like where gratitude programs, I mean, it really changes the wiring in our brains and how we start to see things and can change how we show up. And, and I had a chance years ago, a couple of years ago to interview Dr. Nicole Gabbana, who runs the university of Massachusetts sports psych program. And her focus is on the power of gratitude and performance. And you think about it, like when you're afraid, when you're worried, you play tight in sports, you naturally play tight. And in work, you're probably playing tight and performing tight. When you play with gratitude that you're grateful for the opportunity, you're not afraid of losing it. You're grateful to have it. You play looser, you play freer, you play better. And that gratitude piece is so important for me because I spent so many years trying to get there, wherever that fictional there was in my head that I've missed out on opportunities, relationships, and experiences because I wasn't able to be here in the present. And I, I, that's common with business owners. We have business goals. We have financial goals. We're trying to get to there. But what we fail to realize is it's doing our best in the here that allows us to get to there. In football, you earn your championship trophies. In practice, you just pick them up on game days. And in work, it's the same thing. The, the things we do every day set us up to seize the outcomes we want over time. And, and we can't seize those opportunities every day if we're not grateful for it and focused on it. And so that's why I think it's a key piece of that, of, of it. And as well as like when we talked about COVID, it helped me with the reframe. I lost all this. I can easily focus on that, worry about that, stress about that, be anxious about that. Or I can say, what am I still grateful for? What do I still have? How can I make the most of this new opportunity? And, and that changed how I showed up, how I worked, how everything went the rest of last year because of that gratitude shift and reframing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, it's like another thing I want to scream for the mountaintops is everybody needs to, to have that shift. It is so, and incredible. it doesn't have to be big. No, like even the practice of every morning, taking a Sharpie and writing on a sticky note, one thing you're grateful for, you don't have to feel it. It's like motivation. You don't have to feel motivated to go work out. You just have to go do it. Gratitude, same way. You just got to write it down. The more you practice it, the better you become at it. So it's something as simple as taking a sticky note, right? Man, maybe you're grateful for this cup of coffee. Maybe you're grateful you didn't have traffic. Maybe you're grateful you had to woke up with the kids and the dog today. Put it on a sticky note, put it on your computer. Next day, change it out, write a new one. And you'll start to build that muscle just like you would your discipline, anything else over time. And you'll be able to look back and realize, man, I'm, I'm able to handle adverse situations better because I'm able to reframe how I see them and how I show up during them. And that's why it's so important for people to read Atomic Habits and understand habit stacking, because that's how I started. I'm just going to do like two things I'm gra grateful for. I, I kind of copied the John Gordon thankful walk. Yep. And um, it's turned into 15 minutes. And but people are like, how do you do that? I'm like, you start with one thing. <laughs> you just, one. You just, just start one. where you can start and you make it so much part of your 
uh, have or your routine that it becomes a ritual. At that yep. point, you can add more, but it but just do what you do until it's it's ingrained. Absolutely. I'm going to s- skip some of the questions I always yeah, ask yeah. because you have answered them talking about books, talking about personal, personal growth. We, we, I, I will say this. I, I will throw two books out there for business because okay, I know we have business owners. Anything by Mike Michalowicz will oh, change wow. your business. Yep. Profit First is the one I wish I'd read when I started my business. Uh, so highly recommend it. And if you are newer into business, if you're looking to start a new business, Business Made Simple by Donald Miller is a just phenomenal blueprint to better understanding all avenues of your business and how to keep different things in mind. And so if I could recommend two, I know there's some great ones with e-myth and and traction and things like that. But if I were to tell anyone two books you had to read, Profit First by Mike Michalowicz and just go ahead and order the rest of his library, you'll thank me later. And then Business Made Simple by Donald Miller. Yeah. Donald Miller, uh, just the, the, the whole messaging thing is so great. And then uh, Profit First, just so if, if you're listening to this and you haven't heard anything about Profit First, I have two guests that have been on this show previously. They both run firms that work with Profit First, but mostly those interviews are about why and how and what the, what the sticking points are and how you as a business owner or in your home can implement Profit First. I'm doing it. It's phenomenal. So I think it's a beautiful thing to say. Um, CompeteEveryday.com has pretty much everything about you. It's got your yep. speaking links. It's got your social links. I'm sure you can buy, well, you, I know you can buy shirts. That, that. Yep. So it, this is super simple, guys. If you want to find more about Jake, I don't even need to ask him. You go to Compete Every Day uh, and, and, and it's awesome. Check out his podcast, Compete Every Day. Buy his book, his audio book. He reads it, which is cool. Um, there's just follow him on socials. Those are all on Compete Every Day. Uh, I do all of it. I've done all of it. So my last question, question yeah. Jake, is um, if you go, <laughs> such a corny question, but it's, Let's it's do it. done some, I've had such great answers that I love this. It's one of my favorite. If you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice anytime in your life. What would it be? I would go back to when I was probably 13 or 14 and tell myself, don't worry about popularity. Just make sure you get better every day. So good. Those are the pivot. My son's 13. So man, I'm, I'm just like relating with that really hard right now. It's yeah, so that's hard awesome. at that age. It is so hard, but yeah, that would, that would be the one because it would have changed dramatically how I went through high school, how I went through college, how I treated people, how I cared about what I cared about would have been a game changer, but like anything wisdom, we learn as we go through those experiences and we look back and think, Oh, but only known that then. So for all you business owners that are listening to this, there's been a lot today uh, that you 100% will have wanted to tell yourself that, you know, you wish you'd known when you started, go back and listen to the episode, the biggest one, know who you serve, know what problem you solve, and then be flexible in figuring out how you do it best. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome advice. Jake, thank you so much for being a guest and sharing your knowledge and experience. I know a lot of people are learning, learning from you, which is awesome. Thanks for having me. Always fun, my man. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week.